All right, glory to God. It's good to see everybody's face. Hallelujah. Thank you. It's the year of open doors, amen? Man, we got we had some new open doors this past week. Uh, we we had our brother Doug. He uh, he had been interviewing for many 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 jobs, and then uh, God just all of a sudden opened up four job offers, and then he had to choose between. Uh, he narrowed it down and to, to two, and he he went ahead and took one the other week. That's an open door. You know, uh, God's continuing to open up these doors, you know. And so, you know, we got a few more weeks left. And if you continue to trust the Lord to open up these doors for jobs, open up these doors for salvation, open up the doors for marriage. <laughs> and I just kind of trust the Lord. Now, does not mean next year, because it's not the year of open doors, that if it doesn't happen this year, it's never going to happen? No. But I'm just saying, you know, we've got a few more weeks. Might as well just trust the Lord in the same theme and the flow of it. Hallelujah. Now, um, I believe uh, as a church, we're going to see some open doors uh, in these last few weeks. You know, we just got our church office. Uh, after like three months of searching, man, I was just I was just tired of it. And I just told the Lord, Lord, you got you to gotta just help us out because I'm just tired of looking. I, I like apartment hunting, but this is ridiculous. I don't know, this is just taking away too much time. And then um, in God's perfect timing, as we accepted our new intern pastor, uh, Jonathan Neufeld, uh, God gave me this idea to go ahead and put Marcus and John into the new church office. And that kind of expand our budget, you know. And then we'll, we'll be able to get a church office that has like a spacious living room where we can have like small groups and healing deliverance sessions and fellowship. And so we acquired a new church office at the Riverville Apartments near Itaewon, right, right down the street from Hamilton Hotel. I heard our sister Jung, are you here? You, 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 live, you live there right now. What, what apartment are you in? 101. Okay, all right. So we're in 606. We, we got a view of the entire river. Nor, like, like, just as far as the eye can see. And so, you know... It, it's going to be a big blessing for the whole church, you know. You guys are, you guys are welcome to use it on the evenings and stuff. Just make sure you sign up and uh, make sure you let Marcus and John know. Because, you know, they might be in their underwear or something, you know. Like, you don't want to be coming over then. That's not edifying. But that, was a, that was an open door. That was an open door. And I have so much peace about it. And out of all the apartments we saw, that was the best one. So, you know, God kept closing doors for these other ones that we liked. And then I, I was believing God for a better one each time. I said, God, if you're going to close that one, I'm, 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 I'm hold you to this. You better get us a better one. And man, it is, this is the best one that we saw. So praise God. You know, continue to trust the Lord for those open doors. Um, last week, I preached on climbing the seven mountains. And several people told me how much the message really blessed and awakened them to the call of God for their lives. So I want to review those seven mountains right now. All right. What are those seven mountains? Arts, business, education, family, government, media, and religion. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. I told you it's easy, right? A, B, E, F, G, M, R. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not just a message. It is a mandate. 
Because the Lord has commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. And we will never fulfill the Great Commission unless we take this strategy seriously. Right? Because there is an apostolic grace and power available for the church not to just bring the lost and bring converts in, but there's an apostolic grace and power to climb these seven mountains. Amen? I mean, and the Lord is sending out His army, not just into ministry and mission fields, but into the arts, into the movie industry, into the government, into education, right? into every single mountain, into the corporate world. And He's sending out His army to cast out the strong man that is ruling these places, these high places, and to take it and occupy it for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, that we as God's people may be a blessing to all nations. Brothers and sisters, may we shape the culture and change the history of nations. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Today, I'm going to share with you a key that's going to enable you to occupy the seven mountains. God bless you. And this key, all right, is very simple. It's called honor. Somebody say honor. honor. Now today I'm going to preach on creating a culture of honor. Now God's been teaching us this already through Bethel Church and other men of God. It's been such a blessing to learn about honor. And I believe that God really wants us to create a culture here at New Philly that is a culture of honor. You know why? Because the culture of the kingdom is a culture of honor. If you look at the way that God runs things, He does not employ shame or guilt to run His kingdom. But rather, He uses honor. 1 Corinthians 29.12 says, Wealth and honor, they come from you. God is the source of all honor. Now, honor is probably not new to many of you. Um, all around, we hear the word being used. If you uh, did well in, your gr- in grade school, you might have made the honor roll. The, the what? What did y'all say? Honor is this. Okay, honor, honor roll, yeah. Or if you've been to college, you may have been asked to abide by an honor code. And hopefully you all abided by it. That's how you all got your degree. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> if you've been to a wedding, you'll often see a maid of honor. If you appear in court, you better call the judge your honor. Oh, man, first time I went to court, I didn't know what to call the judge. And, man, my heart was beating like 100 miles per hour. And then this lawyer was like, you say your honor. And I was like, oh, your honor. You know, make, make sure you, you get the terms correct when you go in there. If you know anything about the military, you know that the highest military decoration awarded by the U.S. government is called the Medal of? If you ever watched Cry the Kid Part 2, you may know the song. I am the man who will fight for your honor. Come on, Peter Cetera fans, where are you at? Honor is not new to us. It's all around us. In Korea, honor is an essential part of the Korean culture. You know, when I was a child, my mom taught me to stand up 
when my dad will approach the dinner table. And then I had to wait till he sat down before I could sit down. And then my mom taught me to wait until my dad picked up his utensils before I touched mine, no matter how hungry I was. And upon some occasions when I was so hungry that I just go, went ahead and picked up my utensils first, my mom went over and picked up her meme. Well, I learned real quick not to do that again. At family gatherings, we allow the adults to get their food first. Right? And whatever they asked of you, there was only one answer. Nah. 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 And it's like, it's like they, they only ask those types of questions that only require a nah. Anyway, it's a culture of honor in Korea. Now, although Americans in America are surrounded by the word honor, I've noticed that honor has been a forsaken virtue in America. I remember when I was in uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, students, I don't think this was just a Philly thing, all right, students would snap back at the teacher and sometimes some of them would actually curse them out. Now that's not the bad part. The bad part is when the student will curse out the teacher, the rest of the class will be laughing out loud. I, I mean, I just, I thought that was messed up. But, you know, I, I laughed along with everybody else because <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> I remember when I was working at a sneaker store in high school, my Filipino and Vietnamese friends, our coworkers, they would steal the sneakers from our employer right underneath his nose and then they would brag about it. I'm like, where's the honor? Come on. You know? I noticed at many colleges that students don't go to class. They just skip out and then end up withdrawing while their parents are paying tens of thousands of dollars. That's not just a laziness problem. That's an honor problem, brothers and sisters. If you want more evidence of the lack of honor in America, just look at business and politics. Right? People stepping on each other, cheating, lying to get ahead. And how can we forget when the president partook in adulterous activity in the Oval Office? And then the bad part was he lied about it. I mean, honor is a forsaken virtue in America. But let me not just dog on America. Let me dog on Canada. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I don't know nothing about Canada, so I can't, I can't dog on Canada. Well, let me talk about Korea, right? Korea. Even in Korea, where people grow up honoring their elders, I've noticed that Koreans are also strangers of honor in other areas. Right? Koreans are really good at performing the external behavior of honors, so-called manners, but few actually carry the principles of honor in their hearts. If you want a good example of this, try going to get, try going somewhere and getting customer service in Korea. All right. I'm just telling you the truth. All right. Unless you go to a westernized vendor like Emart or Costco, okay, customer service is impossible to get in Korea. Actually, SK Telecom is pretty good. The, the cell phone companies are good. There's like certain industries that are really good. But I think that's because they're westernized. 
But man, other places you go, man. I remember the first time I came to Korea, I bought this little knit cap at, a, at the Adidas store, you know? And I, I went back a week later and I was like, I don't like this knit cap. Can I get my money back? And they were like, no. And I said, uh, give, I want it. My refund. And they were like, no. And I said, well, what's your refund policy? And they were like, well, it's six days and today's the seventh day. I said, where is this written? And they were like, uh, in the back, somewhere. And I said, like, what? This is not right. I want to talk to a manager. Uh, uh, I am the manager. And you're not the manager? <laughs> the guy's straight up lying to me, trying to just get rid of me. Well, I, I was like, Psh, I ain't taking all that. All right, I made, I, I, I sent a letter to corporate officers of Adidas. Man, I got my money back, I'll tell you right now. Okay, but man, that was stressful, man. I, it took a lot of prayer. <laughs> man, what, what's up with that? Korean vendors do not believe in honoring their customers' wishes. It's just not a part of their, 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 their culture here. Or consider the politics of Korea. Right, you think America may seem bad, but Korea is passively aggressive worse. You know, after an election, it's not uncommon for there to be indictments, suicide, and people just fleeing the country. Unfortunately, through a couple of people, Korea has also gotten a bad reputation on the global scene. In the area of science, they, they are not known for their honor. Actually, when they pick up their cell phones, they're not known for honor either. I noticed when, oh, that's not on you, brother. It's not on you. But let me just, this is a, this is a prophetic revelation. Man, I would sit through Campus Crusade meetings with all the top senior staff of Korea Campus Crusade. All right? And it would be a very important meeting. They'd get us really nice snacks, and then we'll be sitting around in, in tables, and somebody's cell phone will go off. And I would think, well, you just press a button and shoot them over to voicemail. Well, in Korea, they don't believe in voicemail. Koreans don't like talking to machines. So the voicemail never caught on here. So what happens? You, know, you should just silence it, right? No, everyone picks up their phone. <laughs> and the amazing thing is everybody was so used to it they, would, they, were, they were just simply ignore him but for me man it was so distracting how do you do that I guess the cell phone business just blew up here too fast because they just never developed this culture of how to answer the telephone and, and in the area of science and business right we just Korea has a reputation for lacking honor man you know, when I first came to Korea, I used to open doors, hold open doors for ladies. Because, you know, it's just a culture, it's a good aspect of honor that Americans have. I just do it, right? And I remember all these Korean ladies, they would just simply ignore me, or they look at me weird, like I'm some kind of stalker or something. 
And I realized that Korean women, they don't know how to receive that honor. They don't know how to receive it. No matter how many times I tried. So I stopped doing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just too much scarring going on. <laughs> or I remember, right, I'll tell you another story. I was in a bus. First time, like, first time I was on a bus. And there was this older woman, this older lady. And I gave up my seat, you know, just to show her some honor, you know. I gave up my seat. And then she started to rebuke me. She started getting angry at me. And I, I, my system could not understand what was going on. Why aren't you taking the seat? And she was being insulted because I, she thought that I was thinking of her as a harmony. But this was an ajuma. You know, you know there's, there's agashi, ajuma, and harmony. If you don't know the difference, you was in some for trouble in Korea. You know, and so she didn't think she's a harmony. So she started yelling at me, thinking, you better sit down, young man. I don't need this chair. I'm healthy. My, my, you know, and she started yelling at me. And I was just trying to do it out of honor. There's another time, I remember there was a pregnant woman. She was on CCC staff. And, and we were, we got on the bus. There was a pregnant woman. <laughs> she, she's pregnant. So I, I, I said, we're standing right over this young man, right? So I just bumped him. I said, yeah. I pointed at her. And he just looked up at her and then went back to texting. And so I got a little upset. I said, she let you mind. So yeah. Okay. I didn't know how to say pregnant back then. Uh, pregnant! You to pet on fire, go pet. I was like, I was like, trying to be firm at the same time using Chondemar. Anyway, the young, the young man was like, he was like traumatized. He didn't know what happened. He like got up and he just like got off at the next bus stop. A little punk. Where's the honor at? Now, whether America or Korea, many of us. I'm telling you, we're, we're living in cultures where honor has been lost. Many people today, especially young people, don't really know how to honor people. They may honor someone, but it's usually to get something. You know what I mean? Just think Sornar and Chur. You know, over at you know, Chinese New Year's, Korean, Koreans, they traditionally go down to their families. And what do they, all the kids do? They do the, they do the Chur, they do the bowing. And what do the parents do? They, they always dish out the money. Right? I look at my cousins in Daegu. And every time they do that chur, man, they're not even like, they don't know eye contact. Their heart's not behind. They just, they just oh, let me get my money. <laughs> Hi, money. There's no honor behind that. You know, when, when, when honor has strings attached, it ceases to be honor. Honor is only honor when it flows out of a person's character and or when it is given freely. We are a generation who are strangers to honor. And unfortunately, our churches are no exception. 
you know, one of the best places to learn honor is to look at royal families. You know, I visited London. And I noticed, man, in London, man, people, it's just honor is ingrained in their culture. There's a lot of different aspects of honor that they have that many other countries don't. I remember, um, I remember uh, there was a TV show called The American Princess. Any, any of y'all watch this? You can YouTube it, right? American Princess or something. I don't know if it's on YouTube. But, but um, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not good. <laughs> um, but there's a show called American Princess and gathers all these young American women from all these different cities. And then they, it's like Survivor. They try to compete to become the American Princess. And there's all these British people that are brought onto the show to teach these ladies about manners and honor and how to properly walk and how to properly drink wine and how to properly uh, sit through a formal dinner and all this stuff. And you got all these American ladies and they look, just, just compared to the British, they look so rude, ignorant. They just, they can't get it. And, and then um, they were teaching on one, one particular episode, they were teaching the ladies uh, how to... Uh, learn greetings in different languages just in case you ever encounter honorable guests from other nations so they have to learn like japanese greeting a french greeting and all this stuff and man these american girls man they weren't even trying you know you had all these girls come out you know uh you know they, they just could have remembered these greetings and they were just looking mad rude and they were just there's no honor there's no honor and you know the, the british man they have, they can teach us about honor you know why because they have that tradition and history of monarchy. There are kings and royal families in that land. If you think Princess Diane or Queen Elizabeth, all right, these ladies, you know, they used to carry themselves with class. They will act honorably when they meet people. Now, some of us may call it austere or stiff. But I'm telling you, when these ladies meet with world-class leaders, they know how to behave. They know how to talk. They know how to honor such people. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, before I preach this message, is that you are royalty as well. You come from a nation of royalty. You are princes and princesses. Amen? Gongju들. 여러분들. 공주예요. 예쁜 공주. 감사합니다. You have you have nobility running through your bloodstream. This is your identity. God wants you to represent his kingdom here on earth. And honor is one of the greatest attributes of nobility. A, a king or prince will look like a fool when that king or prince does not know anything about honor. It's like you took some pauper, you took some, 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 some <laughs> pauper, you know, vagabond, I don't know, some, some kid off the street and you just dress him in, you know, royal attire and you hope that he, he can do it. And that's the way it looks. When you don't have honor. But check this out. We are coming from a kingdom of royalty. 
And so I'm going to teach y'all, like they do on American Princess. Let me teach y'all a little bit today about honor. All right. So I'm going to talk about three kinds of people that we must learn how to honor. And I believe that in this message, there's keys to climbing the seven mountains. You know, within the church, you will have oftentimes leaders that are placed over you to rule or to serve you. Okay. And it is imperative, number one, is that we honor these leaders. We honor the fathers. Okay. Honor the fathers. Honor the leaders that are in your life. Okay. I'm talking mainly about the church, but this can also apply to you and your workplace, wherever mountain you're on. Okay. The word of God says in Exodus 20, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You'll notice here that there is a relationship between honor and life. You know, when we honor our natural father and mother, God promises us long life. That's because honor creates a highway on which life travels. If there's no honor in your life, you're not going to experience much life. Jesus said, I came that they may have life. Right? And if you want that life to flow into your life, you got to learn about honor. You know, when we honor a leader, we recognize their authority and we yield to their position. Honor is humility in action. Proverbs 15.33 says, humility comes before honor. You know, all my life I struggle with honoring leaders, honoring adults. You know, in every stage of my life, I've struggled to properly honor the fathers that God has placed in my life. Remember, remember my sensei? Tyrone Wiggins. You know why I got, I got that massive beat down that day and I had to fight the whole school? Okay. My sensei told me later, I had to teach you about honor, young man. And he being not even a Christian, actually, I think he might have been a Christian. I can't remember. It didn't seem like it when he was making me get that beat down. But, uh, you know, he saw in me that there was a problem. And I think it's because of my own broken family. And maybe, you know, I wasn't surrounded with, with a family that really had that culture of honor. And he saw it in me. He said, this is a big problem. And you know what he tried to do? He tried to beat it out of me. And he wasn't very successful because I continued to struggle with the same problem. And wherever, whenever I've looked up to a pastor, mentor, author, or preacher, the moment I find a character flaw or a doctrinal disagreement, I notice that in my heart I start looking down on such people. And then I, I become very critical. And then I become unwilling to fully honor or respect them in my heart. Okay, I don't know why I've done this all my life, but that's what I've done. And if I were to be honest, I believe the root issue is pride. Because humble people have no problem honoring others. But it's those that have pride in their hearts and refuse to deal with those issues. They'll find the hardest time trying to honor others. You know, but unlike me, there's a, a lot of people who also fail to honor their leaders, not just because of pride but because they've seen abuses of authority among leaders. 
And it's this overcompensation that they do. You know, um, a lot of churches these days, they have uh, what's called like a round table leadership structure. You know, instead of having levels of positions, it's just because everybody's equal, everybody gets a vote. And, you know, and, and if you look at uh, some Presbyterian forms of government, that's kind of like more their model, this democratic type of system. And, uh, you know, if you contrast that with more of what's called like a rectangular table, where there's, you know, there's like actual positions and levels, in the round table, each person gets an equal say. In the rectangular, the leadership structure recognizes levels of honor. In the round table, they have these church boards. But I believe over at the rectangular table, they're more reflecting accurately the government of God. Because when it comes down to it, the government of the kingdom is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. And God chooses, not through votes, not through who's popular, who gets to be in positions of leadership. He chooses, he predestines those things out of his own wisdom and counsel beforehand. And the Bible says, the callings of God are irrevocable. Right? Um, and the round table, it deems everyone equal. And the rectangular table, it recognizes people's callings, anointings. And the round table, what you really have is a structure that is formed out of fear. It's a reaction of fear to the abuses of leadership. And... What they end up doing is they dishonor the senior leadership of their churches by taking away their seats of honor. And, and they're hoping to prevent and eliminate these abuses of leadership. But in the same process, they're also destroying a culture of honor at that church. Okay. Now, when you talk about abuse of authority, this abuse of authority is a heart issue. It's not a structure issue. Can somebody say amen? amen? What we need is repentance, healing, and deliverance. Where people need to be confronted and held accountable for their sins. Okay? Not, the answer is not to change the leadership structure and attempt to smother and eliminate these heart issues. Eventually, heart issues, when they are left undealt with, when they're left unconfronted, they resurface. First Timothy 5.17. The Bible says, Let the elders rule well. Uh, I'm sorry, it's ESV, man. It doesn't flow sometimes. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Somebody say double. Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Hallelujah. Where are the preachers, teachers in the house? Come on, receive it. The word of God says they are to be considered worthy of double honor. Some people have a problem with that. But check this out. God is a God of honor. And the only way that honor works is if there are levels of honor. The whole idea that some people deserve more honor than others may seem unfair... But we've got to remember that Jesus used the words least and greatest when he talked about the kingdom. When you get to heaven, you're going to be in for a rude awakening if you think everybody's just going to be equal. 
when the, when the mother of the sons of Zebedee asked if her sons could sit next to Jesus at his right and at his left, he answered and said these positions were not up to him to give, but they were, they're, they're going to be given to those whom the Father has prepared it for. In other words, Jesus did not say, oh, you got it all wrong, mama. When you get to heaven, everyone's going to just sit equal distant. No, he didn't say that. Right? He recognized and he affirmed that the kingdom of God has rank and order. You know, with this rank and order, it is then wise to recognize that there are people who have been elevated above us. It is wise to recognize this. And we need to recognize that they have something that we need. Elisha, he recognized that he needed something from Elijah. He needed Elijah's mantle. So what did he do? He put a demand on this anointing of his father, of the spiritual father who had gone ahead of him. And brothers and sisters, in order for us to receive an inheritance and an impartation from our fathers, we need to stop being so critical of them. We need to humble ourselves and we need to have faith that they truly have something to offer us. That they have much to give us. Our fathers. What did Elisha call Elijah as he was being sent up in a whirlwind? Father, father, right? My father, my father. Um, we showed this type of faith by honoring our fathers. Life flows when we honor the fathers and mothers in our lives. Now, we teach here at New Philly that the anointing flows from the top down. So we have a leadership structure that is unafraid of recognizing spiritual fathers. And like an army, we have rank and order. Amen? We're still defining what that rank and order is. But we know John Michael is somewhere up there. Amen? And although Amina just may be an administrator, she's not just an administrator. She is a spiritual mother at this church. I don't care. I don't care what prophetic, you know, anointing, gifting, what administrative gifts you you may have better administrative gifts than than Mina, but you better honor her because she is your spiritual mother, mother at this church. I don't care if you're older than her. Okay, we, we need to recognize and honor them. Cause I'm telling you, man, Mina can bless you. Mina's got a blessing. She's got an anointing to impart. People that are in her small group, man, I'm seeing some of the most powerful fruit coming out of her small group. And you know what? I intentionally give her like, like the most wonderful girls at the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing. Lord, forgive me. It's not a good joke. No, no, no. I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing. Hey, Sister Faye's coming back, by the way. Hallelujah. Man, if you know where Faye used to be, man, you would see it's a miracle how she got to where she is. And a lot of that had to do with Mina. What God, what God was doing through her. <clears throat> and the truth is, both the anointing and life, it flows freely when a church recognizes and honors the callings and authority and anointings that rest on its leaders. When such seats of honor are not scrutinized, but they're celebrated. 
Hallelujah. Churches that do not have such leadership structures to prevent corruption, you know, the churches that have these leadership structures that eliminate these seats of honor, they not only fail to fix the problem and the issues of the heart, but they also prevent themselves from receiving the blessings of spiritual fathers. You know, um, in a few weeks, we have a leadership banquet. And I believe this leadership banquet is a, is a revelation from God. You know, it was supposed to be this house church holiday extravaganza. And man, I just kept thinking, man, that's corny. That's corny. Ain't nobody going to get excited about that. Nobody was excited about it. Then at the staff retreat, I just felt like I was like trying to teach us about honor. He was like, you need to have an event where you put money behind it and where people can put their, put their time and efforts. Where an event where you honor the leaders of your church. And so we turned that joint into a leadership banquet. So in the last Sunday of this year, we have a leadership banquet. And I believe that this is just, this is more than just an event where we can say thank you. This is our opportunity to honor our leaders. You know, there's a lot of things that Megan does throughout the year that she is not properly honored and recognized for. There's a lot of things that that homeboy Caleb back there is doing. But pay attention to the message, bro. Don't do nothing else right now. Uh, Caleb <laughs> is not properly recognized and honored for all the, all the sacrifices he makes as a leader. Or our brother Brian. You know, when he comes to Saturday morning practice, man, he comes, he comes earlier than the rest of the team to pray and meditate. I don't know what he does, but he prays. <laughs> he shows up early. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. You don't go, oh, well, that person's not my small group leader. I'm just going to wait till my small group leader. No, 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 no. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, what we're doing is we are setting ourselves up to receive life blessing of the fathers, of the mothers at this church by having this type of, of honor, this leadership banquet. And I believe that through this banquet, we're, I'm hoping that we will build a momentum of honor toward our fathers and mothers that will facilitate a fresh flow of living water and anointing power into our lives. Now you might be asking, all right, all this honor stuff, how do you properly honor our fathers? How do you properly honor the leaders? Okay, I just listed four, let me just list four practical ways. One, pray for them. A lot of us expect them to pray for us. But if, if your leaders ever go, hey, 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 I expect you to pray for me, you might be like, what are you doing? You're my leader. It's not supposed to go that way. No, 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 but you're wrong. If you want more life and blessing to flow into you through this relationship, you need to pray for them. Because the more they are blessed, the more blessing comes back to you. You, you pray for me. Hallelujah. I'll be praying for y'all, but there's a lot of y'all. <laughs> so you know, I just gotta, I just gotta be discerning. I just gotta go prophetic and just follow the Holy Spirit's leading about whom to pray for and what. And so yeah, you know, I don't just stay on one person because I like them, you know, a particular way or something like that. You know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be floating around praying for everybody in here. Well, I can't say everybody, but, but I'll be praying for a lot of people. 
But you know what? I need your prayers. And if you pray for me, man, the blessing will flow back to you. Number two. Two. Give public testimonies. Remember the power of the testimony? Man, there is a lot of power when we keep the testimony. If your leader did something amazing or did something sacrificial, did something that was not noticed, but later on God used it to bless you, give a public testimony about it. That's how you honor them. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've been to a lot of banquets with Campus Crusade, and I will get so blessed when one of my students, they get up there and they go, I don't have any money, so I couldn't contribute to Christian's farewell gift. Sorry, Christian. I know that your love language is gifts. But you know what I would like to just share here in front of everybody is I just want to share a story of something that Christian did that God used to radically change and influence a spiritual walk. And they just tell like a simple story. And there's something about it, man. It would just fill me with so much faith, encouragement. And I just get so charged up to just want to go out and do it again on somebody else. And you look at the people's faces, man. And they're getting blessed as well. And they're thinking, man, God could do that for me. That is power. Number two, you give public testimonies. Three, shower them with gifts, encouragements, presentations, food, notes, and even money. Bless them. Shower them with gifts. That's how you honor them. You honor spiritual fathers with money. Amen? Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, it's true, though. You, you honor, you know, when, when a person wins the Nobel Peace Prize, they don't just get like a little plaque. They get money. That's how you honor them. When you get the Templeton Prize, same thing. You get a million dollars. One of the biggest cash prizes out there. When you win the Super Bowl, you don't just get a ring. You get that bonus. You get money. And if you get the MVP, Tom Brady's not just excited because he gets just the honor and recognition of the MVP. He's also excited because he knows later on he's going to get another check. Bonus. Money. Presentations. If you don't got money, come on, put on a skit. Get up here, you know, make a... Make, don't make a fool of yourself, but you know, get up here and make a, make, a good, make a good presentation that shows that you put your time into it. Give them some food. That's how you honor leaders, man. Every time I get a bag of dried mangoes, I feel honored. Every time I get lactate pills, I feel honored. And you know what, man, our sister Judy, man, she has grown so much. And I've noticed, man, she's so young, but she got, she's one of the Biggest transformations we've seen at this church. She went from this little scaredy little Christian. She gonna she won't even pray. She'll cry every time. I just like I just talk to her. She'll start crying or something. I don't know, man. She was she was just she wasn't doing good. And she just grown so much. She's one of the leaders at the college ministry. And last night I was just jealous because she helped put together. And I'm sure other students were involved with this. This little like picture frame. 
And she took all the student leaders. And I heard they did this for everybody, not just for Aaron. And then these student leaders, they, they held up like a blank sheet of paper, like a big one. And they're like this, trying to be cute. And then she printed these pictures. And then they had all the leaders write a little note on the, on the white area of the, of the paper they were holding. And I looked at that. I was like, that is so creative. That is such a blessing. And Aaron was like, yeah, I was just so blessed. And we had a little fight yet last night. So is it okay to share, honey? It was just like a little small little fight. We just had a little, 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 you know. And then, and then we, we at home, we wrestled it, we wrestled it out, and we're, it was, uh, <laughs> when you get to heaven, it'll be, maybe God will show you. It was, it was, it was a, it wasn't, it was good. And, um, <clears throat> but she was like, man, I was having such a wonderful, blessed night until we had this fight. And I was like, man, what? And then I looked at the frame and I was like, man, I would be blessed too if I had that. And Judy, man, she, she's just really, been growing and been blessed. And I'll tell you why God's blessing her. Because every winter, she comes back. Armfuls of lactate pills. Every summer, she comes back with bags of dry mangoes. How, how did the wise men honor baby Jesus? They gave him gifts. That little baby can't open no gifts. All right. But they knew something. You honor Fathers, you honor leaders. You honor them with gifts. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And four is just you renew your commitment to humble yourself and yield to their authority. You know, that's one of the biggest blessings. Because if you give all these gifts and later on you're not listening to them, you're not showing up, you know, that blessing is only going to last so long. You honor them by submitting to their authority. All right, so... Number one, you honor leaders. Number two, secondly, we must learn to honor sons. The Word of God tells us in Romans 12.10, outdo one another in showing honor. Did you know that there was a Bible verse like that? Everybody say, outdo one another in showing honor. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, you need to show me some honor. Not only do we need to honor our leaders, but we need to honor each other. And if you are a leader, you need to honor your sons. You need to honor those who have been entrusted to your care. You might be like, well, how can I honor them? There's little, little baby Christians. They're little punks running around. How do I honor them? Well, there's ways to honor your sons. You know, honor is the cornerstone of an empowering culture that eliminates the need for control. Honor creates order through dignity instead of the fear of punishment. Honor creates order through dignity instead of the fear of punishment. Chris Vallotton said it like this. He said, order, when it is fostered by honor, results in empowerment. But order enforced through fear results in just control. Remember my make war sermon on a spirit of witchcraft? Right? What's the spirit of, what is the essence of a spirit of witchcraft? What are those demons trying to do? 
They're trying to control. They use manipulation, intimidation, domination to control people. Witchcraft, sorcery, whatever, to try to control people. That's the essence of witchcraft. All right? And in the kingdom of God, I'm telling you right now, God's spirit, he doesn't operate like that. He doesn't seek to control you. He wants to empower you. He doesn't want to just have obedient babies. He wants honorable sons. People that will mature and will grow. You know, in some churches or in businesses, there is such a lack of honor for another, for one another, that if the negative consequences, like getting yelled at, losing their job, etc., if these negative consequences were taken away, it would result in immediate chaos. Well, there's no honor, absolutely no honor there. See, people either obey their leaders because they are afraid of what might happen if they don't, or they obey because they feel empowered by an atmosphere where they are treated with dignity and honor. Where they feel like they're, what they think and their input, where they feel like it's valued, it's considered. You know, fathers... They have the responsibility, they have the authority, they have the power to create atmospheres of honor. So whether you are a pastor, small group leader, or a CEO, you have the responsibility to create an atmosphere of honor in your domain. You see, a lot of times Christians are not climbing the seven mountains is because they're just resorting to the ways of the world. They try to get what they want through fear, intimidation, manipulation. And what we really need to see is the people of God creating atmospheres of honor wherever they go. Because when that happens, it empowers people to rise up. It empowers people to their full potential. It empowers people to excellence. So let's say you're a manager of the human resources department at Udi Bank. Anybody work for Udi Bank? Well... I was going to say, God bless that bank. I love that bank. <laughs> now, maybe uh, you're a manager there, and it's your vision to climb the business mountain and take the high places for the Lord. Well, if you really want to see your department prosper, I would recommend that you create an atmosphere, a culture of honor there. You see, honor is a big key to occupying the seven mountains. There's these skills um, that I that I there's a book by this author, his last name Stone. I think it's a he. It's a good book. It's called Coaching, Mentoring, and Counseling. And in it, man, he talks about these skills of coaching, mentoring, and counseling to empower your subordinates, people that are working under you. And you make them feel valued and loved. And if they do something good, every book on leadership you read whether it's by John Maxwell or Dale Carnegie, if you read any of these books on influence and leadership, they will always include a chapter about how important it is for you to praise people. Oh, yeah, of course, praises all belong to God, but I ain't talking about that. Praise people when they do something good. Reinforce that positive behavior. Right? Because a lot of times, all we end up doing is we end up pointing out what's bad and we never honor or recognize the good. And what these books are really telling us is 
you got to create a culture of honor. If you want to be influential, if you want people to really respect your leadership, you got to create cultures of honor. So, you know, not just in Uri Bank, but on the movie set, on a journalism team, or at a Hagwan, create cultures of honor. I'm telling you, and your workplace will suddenly be filled with life. Greater productivity. I don't care if they're Christians or not. Every person will respond to a culture of honor. No one likes being made to feel like just a worker. So if you're a leader in the church and you have someone that just isn't growing, you know what's going to change that person? Maybe they're stagnant. You know what's going to change that person? It's honor. Um, honor has this amazing ability to release potential in people. So sometimes, Bill Johnson says it like that. He says, sometimes honoring people beyond where they are will enable them to go beyond where they are. Sometimes you give assignments that you feel like they're not particularly worthy of. You give it anyway. You honor them. And you say, I believe in you. Sister Mina, Rachel, I feel a little iffy giving y'all the Thanksgiving banquet. But you know what? Why y'all just, here, I believe in you. Go ahead, take it. You honor them by the kind of assignments you give them. I'm telling you, man, it has this amazing ability to bring forth anoint, uh, that, that, that potential that people have inside. Jesus did this with the demoniac in the Gadarenes. Right? This homeboy came out. Jesus casted out all these demons out of, the, out of him. And you know what Jesus told him? He said, Go back to your town and become the president. This is Bill Johnson's words. Become the president of the Jesus Evangelistic Association. That's pretty much what he told him to do. Because he told him to go back and tell all the people the wonderful things that God has done for you. And this, this guy, he was a demoniac. He didn't know anything. He didn't, he didn't feel you know, he could do anything. He, you know? And he went back and he told the people. And people were amazed at the things that God had done. Or the woman at the well. Here she is. She feels marginalized. The entire society has outcasted her. She can't even go and get water with the rest of the women. She has to go at the hottest time of the day to get, get water. And Jesus, what does he do? He honors her. By telling her. By ministering to her. And then she goes back to her town and she just brings a huge crowd of people. She tells them all about her testimony. Um, Peter, he denied Christ three times. But what did Christ do? Right? He restored him by asking him, you know, do you, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And take care of my sheep. You know? He restored him. And what Jesus was doing was he was using the principle of honor to bring forth Peter's potential. And what did he do at the day of Pentecost? Peter, empowered by this honor that he received from Christ, he rose up, he gave his first sermon. 3,000 people got saved. You know, in my own personal walk, Brother Michael, 
I really respect him. I really love him. Because he's the first person that really taught me about honor in the kingdom. I remember when I was just a junior in college. And I remember we sat outside my West New York apartment overlooking Manhattan. We sat on this bench outside. And I was about to go on my summer missions trip to Kazakhstan. And I remember he brought me this vial of oil. And he had been teaching me and teaching me, teaching me all this stuff. He finally came to this night, and it was like this commissioning service, especially for me. And he took out this vial of oil. And I said, Brother Christian, this oil is going to be used powerfully for the kingdom. Do you believe that? I said, yeah, hallelujah. Where'd you get it? He's like, it's not important. Supermarket, I don't know. It's just oil, it's just oil. But what we're going to do right now, brother... I want you to lay hands, and we're going to lay hands on this oil together. Uh, this is what you do in the future as well. I want, we're going to lay hands on the oil. We're going to pray over the oil. We're going to ask God's supernatural properties to come upon that oil. So every time you take it out and you use it, led by the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God is going to show up. So both of us laid hands on that vial of oil, and we blessed it. Then he gave it to me. And he said, the Spirit of God goes with you, my brother. Be bold. Use that oil on the missions field. Now, I don't think I particularly deserve that kind of assignment. I was just a college student. But man, I'm telling you right now, what he did that day has made me become the type of leader I am to be your pastor. Because he honored he used honor to empower me. I started to believe for things in myself that I had never believed for myself. See, he knew how to honor sons. And he continues to honor me. You know what? When I was over there in October, we went over his house. And Lori and Brother Michael, they were at the house. And they have all these dogs. And there are all these dogs walking around. And, and you know, they're distracting. There were just dogs everywhere. There's one old dog, and it's like all like I was like, oh, they couldn't walk. <laughs> all these dogs, and then Lori was just so concerned with the dogs, and I guess she has this, you know, uh, love for animals. And then Brother Michael was like, Brother Christian, I don't think you got to finish your story about Australia. I want to hear all about it. And so you know, I told this testimony so many times. You know, I felt a little numb. I didn't really want to share it. But he looked at me, he said, he said, please share. Please. And so I started sharing about Australia and I started getting excited. As I remember all the amazing things God did and how God showed up in power. And then this one night, I didn't even preach. Like Mina and Aaron gave her testimonies. And then all these students started to flood onto the altar because the power of God started to show up. And they just wanted to repent and, and rededicate their lives to Christ right there. And how we laid hands on the fire of God showed up on the last night. And I just started talking about all this stuff. And Brother Michael, in the middle of me all sharing this, he goes, hallelujah! Oh, glory to God. Tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, praise Jesus. Come, come here. Come here. Come here. Ah, he just give me this big hug. And I'm like still telling him the story. Like, 
And I was thinking, do I ever do that for my sons? For the people that, that are under my care? Do I do that for people in New Philly? Do I do that for Marcus? Do I do, do, I do that for Dave Pio? People that I discipled? I was kind of thinking. I was like, no, I haven't. It's a pretty good thing to do. Just honor them. You know what I mean? And then something, something about it, man, it just empowered me. It just, it just made me feel alive. It made me feel so good. It just started bringing out more potential in me. You know, my wife Erin, she, she went to India earlier this year. And she preached at a very traditional Baptist church in Manipur. They were, number one, they didn't, they were, they were concerned because it was charismatic, because they weren't used to that. Second, they were concerned because she's a woman. Third, they're concerned because she looks like she's in high school. Okay. All right. But she went up and the Spirit of God must have came on her because she started just preaching. She preached boldly. Then they laid hands on people. People started coming to the altar, crying, broken. And then they just laid hands and the power of God, the fire of God just showed up. And all of them experienced the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And honey, I think I told you this already. But you know, I'm really proud of you. You know, in my secret time, I was just telling God, wow, Lord. I'm so proud of her. Because she's not just my wife, but she's like my disciple in a lot of ways. And on that same trip, I got to watch videos of my man Marcus. He was just an intern pastor for a month, a couple months. And I told him, you're going to be the preacher of that team. You're going to be one of the preachers for that team. And so whenever Aaron got tired, he, she would give it to Marcus. <laughs> oh, so, or they were led by the Spirit, right? Hallelujah. <laughs> so Marcus gets up, he preaches. And just, God shows up. And people just getting healed, delivered. Filled with the Spirit. And I think I told you this, Marcus, but in case I didn't hear, come here. Give me a big, give me a big old hug. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm proud of you, bro. I'm proud of you. Just something about what Brother Michael, you know, because if you really look at the church culture today, there's so many Christian leaders, they struggle with insecurities. You know, and, and when they see one of their disciples rising up, they feel this desperate need to reinforce their power over them and try to, like, control them, oppress them. But something I've seen in Brother Michael, because when I went this October, you know what he made me do? And this is something he, now I think about it, he always makes me do this. He took my hand, put it on his head, and he said, pray for me, brother, I need that anointing. I need what you got. I'm humble enough to receive it from my own disciple. I just laid hands and I blessed him. And he was so blessed. And every every little thing I would say, Lord, uh, bless them with health. Hallelujah! That's good, that's good. I would say, Lord, give him that financial breakthrough. Hallelujah, yes, Lord. Receive that, receive that. There's just like so much feedback going on when I'm praying for him. 
It's just so encouraging. And I guess make, makes me more prophetic because I'm starting getting more in the anointing because he's saying that stuff like that. And I realized Brother Michael is my biggest fan. My mentor is my biggest fan. And there's something about the Father's heart. There's something about the Father's heart in Brother Mike, what Brother Michael is doing. You know, when you think about it, you know, God doesn't have any insecurities. And when he sees you growing, when he sees you stepping up to positions of leadership, getting a job, graduating college, and he sees you prospering, he's not trying to put you in your place. He's your biggest fan. You know what Jesus, something Jesus, interesting Jesus said? He said, the things you see me do, you also will do. That's pretty awesome. Because Jesus did some crazy things. He, he raised the dead, made the lame walk. He's like, you want to do the same thing? But he went further. He said, greater things than these you will do. Just think about the honor that flows from the throne of God. We got to learn how to honor sons. Where our ceiling becomes their floor. Where we become their biggest fans. Hallelujah. True fathers honor their sons and desires to see their sons prosper and outgrow them. Hallelujah. I gotta finish my message. Number three. Okay. There was a third point. I finish it with this. We got to honor the prodigals. Okay, let me let me say to you something about evangelism right now. You know, honor is a very powerful tool in evangelism. Yeah, the word of God is very powerful. The anointing is very powerful. Bringing them to a church service is very powerful. And that's why we're having Friendship Sunday next week. But did you know that honor is just as powerful when you evangelize to people? Brothers and sisters, we as a church, we must revolutionize how we approach evangelism. We got to learn how to honor the prodigals. To honor those lost. To honor those who've lost their way. Whether they were Christians before and they backslid or they've never become Christians in the first place, we got to learn how to honor such people. When we honor peop- these people from our hearts, people sense it. And eventually, you gain a place of influence with them. But you don't just do it practically to gain a place of influence, but you do it because that's just who you are. Because you are an honorable person. You show honor. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 2.17, Honor everyone. Honor everyone. That doesn't just go for people in the church. Because, you know, a lot of times what we end up doing is we end up just judging and labeling our friends. We label groups of people. And, the, and we call them, oh, those are the students that go clubbing every weekend. They're part of that clique. Or those are the relatives that drink, smoke, and never go to church. Yeah. Pray for my uncles. Or, hey guys, these are my pagan friends. 
They're, they're sitting over there. You see them? They're my pagan friends. You know what pagans do. Pray for them. Right? And we, and we talk this way because that's the way we think about them. That's the way we view them. And unfortunately, as we do this, what ends up happening is we fail to genuinely honor such people. And when you don't, when you don't really honor them, the only thing you recognize about them is the fact that they don't know God. That's the only thing that you got going in your relationship with them. It's going to show. And the love that you show is going to all seem insincere. You just got a goal. Your goal is to get them converted. Look, if you were a non-Christian and somebody loved you and their only reason for loving you was just to see you converted, which is a very loving thing from the kingdom of God perspective, very loving thing. But if that's the only thing you sense and you're not fully convinced of Christianity yet, guess what? Their love is going to feel fake. Guess what? Non-Christians have jobs. Non-Christians have families. The prodigals, they have the honor enough to stop eating what the pigs were eating and come back and at least try to ask the father to be a servant. You see that? Prodigals have honor as well. And we, as a people of God, we got to learn how to honor the prodigals. Every opportunity we get, Oftentimes, we're just constantly bombarding them with the fact that we're Christians, that they need to know Jesus. And people get turned off because they just feel like the only thing that they feel from you is that you think that they're lost, pathetic, and they have no individual value. And if we make them feel like this, they're not going to feel love. And they're not going to hold, they're going to hold everything you say suspect. Like you got an agenda. You ever talk to people who just have an agenda? There's not much listening going on. There's not much dialogue going on. You might say stuff to them, but they just filter it out and they just go with their agenda. You ever meet people like that? That's the way we sound to a lost world. And we will tap into this. I'm telling you right now. We need to take notes from the life of Daniel and Joseph. Here are two men of God that transformed and influenced entire nations because they demonstrated honor to pagan kings. They knew how to honor everyone. You know, we have Friendship Sunday next week. And I would like to encourage everyone, you know, if you look inside your bulletin, you got two or three of those invitation cards. And uh, later on, if you need more, uh, we have a stack of more. So just ask. You can get, take three or four if you want. And I want to encourage everybody to give those cards out and invite your coworkers. Invite your friends to Friendship Sunday next week. The next week, uh, the praise won't be as long. It won't be as loud. And, uh, you know, we'll, you know we'll, we'll still do our thing. We can't change who we are. But, you know, we're, we're going to kind of customize it a little bit. So that, you know, it's, it's a little more bearable for a newcomer, for, for a person that may be coming here for the first time. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Y'all know what I mean, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but I, I just want to encourage you. As you guys give out these invitations and you continue to pray for and try to reach those who are prodigals, those who are lost, 
why don't you try um, honor? Find out what they like, where they're from, what they're good at. Don't just find out about their problems so you can fix it. You know, find out what they're what they like. If they like dry mangoes, get them a bag of mangoes. If you're if you're a manager, get 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 your get your subordinates gifts or something. You know, just like, or give them assignments that maybe they didn't qualify for, but you you feel like that you can bring out their potential if you give it to them. Like then honor them, right? Honor them because life flows through honor. Yes, even everlasting life. So, brothers and sisters, if we want to climb the seven mountains, we got to become honorable ambassadors of the kingdom. We got to create a culture of honor here at this church. But not only that, we got to carry that honor in our hearts wherever we go. We got to learn how to honor all people in this world, regardless of age, ethnicity, or religious persuasion. Because if we don't, people aren't going to want to work with us. Or work for us. I'm just going to close with this. You know, I worked at Apple Computers for eight months, and uh, it was my best employer-employee relationship that I've ever had. To date, it is the best. And it wasn't because there was a particular favor particularly to me. No, it was because of the way they treated everybody. I was, uh, not, to, not to brag, but, you know, come on, just honor words do, right? Uh, you know, I, they interviewed about 5,000 people over the phone. They narrowed it down to like 800. And then they did in physical interviews for only about like 150. And then they only hired 35. I was one of them. Well, Lord of God. And, and uh, it was for the uh, flagship store. At that time, it was going to be the biggest Apple store that they've ever made. It was in Soho, New York City. And I got to be part of the team that helped open up that store. And the amazing thing is, I wasn't even there for the grand opening. Guess where I was? I was on a mission trip to Kazakhstan. And, I'm, man, the, the first... Day of training, I went. Even for the interview, I noticed that the person interviewing me, because I, got, I, I, got, I, I interviewed for like a bunch of companies, because you know, I graduated from business school. You know, and uh, I, remember, I, I remember interviewing for Microsoft, and they made me feel like this. <laughs> like this. The guy told me to explain what Fibonacci numbers are. Y- y'all know what Fibonacci numbers are? Well, I should have known what they are, but I forgot, all right? But he made me feel this small as I tried. I figured it out too when I was like writing it out. I figured out what, what they are and I, I had to write pseudocode for what, figuring out Fibonacci numbers. And I'm doing it and I solved it. But because I didn't solve it the way he wanted, he just made me feel this little. <laughs> but when I interviewed for Apple, it was so different from all the companies I interviewed. They made me feel so good. They were like, we don't know if you're going to get the job. But I felt so good as they were saying that to me. (laughs) And later when I got the job and I went to training, when I went to training day, (laughs) Wayne Brady, anyway. Training day, when I went to training day, 
the managers, some of the top managers of Apple computers, they were there. And they gave these like presentations, these seminars. Today, our, our training is going to look like this. And we do uh, seven-minute breaks in between every 40-minute blocks of seminars. And uh, these uh, laptop computers you see in front of you, everybody gets to uh, borrow them for an entire month. So you can just use it, do it, whatever you want with it. And then they just started like, like just making us feel not like workers, but as persons of value. And then they were, they were, I don't know, man, just made me feel so good. And I thought maybe it was just a training. Maybe when I start working, they're going to make me feel like a worker, you know. But I started working, and the managers that they had hired at the top level, they all carried this culture of honor, I'm telling you right now. And although the, maybe my coworkers didn't carry that, but eventually it started rubbing off on the coworkers. These coworkers, man, I used to work with them, and they'd be like, hey, F and A, all right, yeah, Christian, yeah, yeah, what you doing? Yeah, you doing what? You, you, you with who? You're a Christian? Oh, yeah, 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 F that, yeah, yeah. And you know, <laughs> you know, these are New York City folks, right? And these guys, you know, you, you will label them pagans. They're lost. You know, they're, they're wicked, you know, whatever. Man, I'm telling you, after about a few months, these same guys that we used to curse off their heads, they would show so much respect and honor for customers and for each other. I'm telling you, it started rubbing off on the whole store. And our whole store was number one for sales for the entire eight months I was there. By far. By far. And uh, I just remember looking back. Because even in Cambridge Crusade, there's like a culture of honor. But, you know, it wasn't as good as it was at Apple. And I just remember thinking, like, what was it about Apple? What God, what were you trying to teach me about Apple? You know, as I preach this message, I understand now that there's something that Apple computers was doing. Because if you look at Apple computers' history, man, they have prospered. And don't just say it's because of the iPod. Okay, the iPod had its competitors too. And the iPhone and all that stuff, you know. But it's, it's not just because of just one product. I'm telling you. It's because the whole company carries a culture of honor. And as they continue to get bigger, I don't know if they can they need to continue to hold that culture. But so far, man, I went to Australia store. I went to, you know, I went to every city I go to. It's my tradition is to go out and hang out at the Apple store. And what I've always found is, whether they're Christian or not, the employees, they always have so much honor for their customers and for each other. We got to learn. We got to learn from Apple computers. That's my message today. Learn from Apple computers. Brothers and sisters, Andy Philly, let's create a culture of honor. Amen? They are in here CEOs. But we need some fathers to honor them. These sons. In here, there are missionaries. In here, there are people that are going to own construction companies. They're going to own hogwans. They're going to build an empire greater than CDI. They're going to Open up international schools. They're going to go in and reform the public education system in Korea. In 10 years, if the people of God will rise up and climb this education mountain, I'm telling you, these poor Korean kids, all right, 
they can come home after school. <laughs> Hallelujah. They can go play football. They can do some extracurricular activities, please. Because they're putting in all these hours, and it doesn't mean that they're competing better on the world, global economy. We got to reform. I'm telling you, the people that will climb to the top or the people that will influence people at the top will be people that carry a culture of honor. And our church will also rise up as we cre- create a culture of honor here. Amen? Amen. Amen. I, 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 I have exceeded my, my record. Hallelujah. So let me, let me just close in prayer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to stop promising that I'm going to preach a 40-minute sermon. It's just not happening. Today I went, I went three times as long. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I do need to promise it for next week because it is Friendship Sunday. <laughs> and I don't want you all to lose your friends, okay? So I will, I will keep it to like 30 minutes. I promise you that. I will write it out and I will read it word for word. So it's 30 minutes. Hallelujah. But let's pray right now. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord, that although we were messed up, dirty, off on our own, sinners, God, you love us. Not only do you love us, but you honor us. The word of God says in Psalm 84, 11, the Lord bestows favor and honor. Lord, we thank you, God, that you will honor us. A people that before we were your children, we were children of wrath. And God, Lord, we know that the only way that we can be honored in your sight is because of your son, Jesus Christ. So God, as we learn about a culture of honor, we glorify the cross of Jesus Christ. And we honor you, God, for sending your son to die on that cross, to take our place. So that identity may be changed from sinner to saint. From one of dishonor to honor. From one where we felt like we're just a slave, a worker. Now we can know that we are sons of the king. And there are destiny and purposes that are pregnant within us. And God, Lord, through a culture of honor, we want to everyone's seed to blossom. So that we can be a blessing to the, all nations, Lord. God, we just bless your name this day, God. We honor you. You are the King of kings. The Lord of lords. Thank you. Thank you, God. For a culture of honor. May your kingdom come. Your kingdom of honor come. And your will be done here in New Philly. And in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.